It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 126. If you want to listen to this episode, as well as our previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a rating or a review or both, however you so please. We have been getting some very nice ones lately. As we were discussing before, we hit record here, and we definitely appreciate those. So uh, we don't have any games to talk about, obviously, as we're sitting here in the first full week of the World Cup, international, whatever you want to call it, since I guess Italy has technically played a couple of friendlies. It's not just, just World Cup teams playing. So let me bring in the crew here of Sam LaCresti. Hello, Sam. If I heard this correctly, the reason that Italy played today that friendly against Austria, it was because Rai refused to move an airing of Dancing with the Stars. Was it Dancing with the Stars with Max Allegri on it? Um, well, no, that was, that was a yeah, few years ago. That was, that was a couple <laughs> years ago, yeah. They, I, I don't know if they'd have been so quite so aggressive about a rerun, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, was we, it, was, it was weird just like, you know, after, a, after months of just game, 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 it, it, it was oddly weird and freeing in a way to just not have to scramble for game coverage every couple of days are you saying that the world cup opener between qatar and ecuador was not having you scrambling to do some writing uh (laughs) no but i was scrambling to do some writing earlier this week when i got my first Ah. byline on the dot com yes samuel presti had a had a feature on players not at the world cup and surprise surprise there are a few juventus players in there (laughs) yes yes indeed We've got Chucks, who's been chuckling in the background. Hello, Chucks. Yes, yeah, lots of uh, nice little alliteration there too. Um, That's right. <laughs> yep, yeah, just been uh, just been here in the background, and uh, yeah, well done, uh, Sam, with that uh, with that piece. I I did not know actually. Uh, did not know about that. You, you might have mentioned it last week that you were going to write something about that, but yeah, congratulations again, and uh, keep up the good work, and uh, everyone keep up the good work. Yes, yes, and you will actually have to tease to things upcoming you will actually have a few things on our website uh, about uh, things other than the monthly recap that i'm looking forward to reading yes yeah yeah to uh again to also uh continue to tease <laughs> Ooh, that sounds weird uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry this is, this is a family show yes <laughs> um, but yeah I, um i just completed a uh, a piece on uh, mohammed ihatarin 
yeah remember him he is coming back to Juventus actually um he well I mean I don't want to say completed his loan I mean technically he completed his loan but Ajax basically declined the option to purchase him of course as he was on loan uh at, at Ajax at the Dutch team and uh yeah they declined to um convert the option to buy um and they are well sending him back to Juventus so uh Mohamed Yatarin, the uh, Dutch-Moroccan midfielder, will be coming back to Juventus. And uh, he is only 20 years old, so yeah, be, let's see. He will be technically coming back to Juventus. Who knows if he will actually be coming yeah. back to Juventus. Yeah, who knowing, knows? I mean, Knowing he those burned, trials and tribulations of the last few years. Yeah, I mean, he burned a lot of bridges with Sampdoria. I mean, as we know, he was, you know, Juventus signed him from PSV uh, and I sent him on loan to Sampdoria just to obviously get him some you know, game time experience and stuff. And while well, that just, uh, well, that just blew up, basically. Uh, yeah, just a really nasty uh, argument, I guess. And Sabdoya said, you know, oh, he didn't show up and he just disappeared. And then Yatarin said, oh, you guys didn't pay me. And, you know, you um, violated the contract. Just a lot of, you know, bad stuff happened there. So, uh, yeah, I hope, you know, he can revive his career with us. Definitely. And uh, obviously, like we said, checks will have that publishing within the next few days after this podcast goes live. So we don't have any takeaways this week since there aren't any games. I don't know. I I mean, I, I would assume that uh, we don't have any takeaways from Italy's loss to Austria. So we'll just kind of like how we treated the uh, LS Verona game last week. We'll just kind of kick that one to the curb, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I didn't watch it, but something that was uh, th- that I heard actually from uh, one of our guest posters, Weston, Agano that uh, that I talk with all the time in the club group chat was apparently Chiesa looked very very good and very very strong in his uh, in his time on the field for Italy today. So we'll take that. Yeah, we we will take that. I think if if I'm getting this, I want, I want to get what he said right here. Hold on, where's the WhatsApp? Uh, where he said uh, if this is him, not a hundred percent. What uh, I can't wait to see him fully back. I mean that's that's basically that's basically what we thought when he made his few couple of cameos before the break, right? So yeah, yeah. So it looks like he's it looks like he's well on his way, and and I've also read that he's going to be cutting his vacation short during the World Cup, and to again come back to Continasa and really put his nose in, and that 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 just you know we talk a lot about the the lack of of Juventinita in in the team. That certainly is part of it. That 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 that's a dose of it right there. Yeah, I think the the reported return date for the players who aren't at the World Cup is what December sixth, and obviously with uh, with Chiesa coming back a little earlier, that would mean he probably has a uh, about a week week and a half or so of of uh, vacation time before he before he comes back. So I mean, it'll it'll be good. Yeah, they've given everybody two weeks, and it looks like he's only going to take one. So. So obviously he is uh, no surprise there. He is itching to get going and, and return to obviously full match fitness since he, uh, as we as as we said a minute ago, he's uh, he only made a few appearances off the bench uh, late, you know, late in second halves for for uh, Max Allegri. So uh, speaking of Max Allegri, we're going to do a little bit of a first half recap, even though we're not officially at the uh, full nineteen fixtures of the of the first half and all that. But since we're what 15, if my memory is right, 15 out of 19 down, correct. we're, uh, we've got some things and unlike previous years when we've kind of treated as a draft in a way, we're just going to kind of throw some things out there. So, uh, I know, you know, if we're sitting here in, in September or October, the positives would be very few and far between. Uh, but since Juventus did go into the, into the world cup break on a six game domestic winning streak, is that really kind of the, the big positive outside of maybe Federico Chiesa coming back that uh, that you guys are taking out of the first 15 games of the season. And because I'm assuming nothing Champions League wise is going to be positive. Uh, no, if you want to talk about one thing that could potentially be positive Champions League wise, it was uh, Samuel Elling Jr. And and his kind of emergence as a as a viable player on the on the wings. Apart from this six-game winning streak in general, the thing that is a positive for me is guys like Illing Jr., guys especially Fabio Miretti and and Nicola Fagioli and and also Matteo Sule, they have been getting some chances and they've been getting decent 
amounts of time on the field. And that, to me, is a really big deal. Foreshadowing, I do have something coming up about this. And I know that Hunter's also already written something about this relatively recently, but I do have something on it myself. It's just for a team that is in the financial position that we are in to finally have popped out a couple of really good players on our own is, I think, a huge sign. And it is something that needs to be cultivated and nurtured and not blocked, which is why these uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savage rumors that have started popping up again annoy me because that would all that would do is just push these kids down the down the death chart again. But yeah, to, to, to watch these these young players get more time than you would. And, and, you know, some of it was just forced because of the injuries. I get that. But it is a big deal to have these kids coming out of our own academy. And, and my hope is that they continue to be nurtured over the rest of the year and in years following this. Because uh, and and if we can kill the space time continuum and see if we can get them before then, that's even better. But uh, I think that especially in in Miretti and Fajoli, we both have some some potential stars in the making, and and Sule also I think is just really really good. So I think that that to me is the main positive, and also just you know these these kids have also brought kind of brought back a hunger. I think Danilo said it a couple of weeks ago that the the hunger and the drive and the and yeah the again we you talk about Juventinita these these are kids especially Fajoli and Miretti who have grown up as Juventini and have grown up in the academy you know they were ball boys they were mascots to come out marching with the players and and now they're playing for this team that they love and they care so much about it it, it means that much to them and that's starting to rub off on a team that has kind of lost that that verve that the Juventus spirit that we always like to talk about over the course of the streak uh that that's really been lost since guys like Mandzukic and Chiellini and and Buffon have have left and it, it's starting to come back a little bit in in them and it's inspiring the rest of the team and I I really like that so yeah just let the kids go let the kids play the kids are all right they gave uh this team a, a kick in the ass in a way I think, yeah where I mean, we look at we look at the way things were trending, especially just it seemed like the vibe around the the squad before yeah. you know the the likes of I mean it seemed more more so Fajoli because he he went from basically no playing time to being thrust into the starting lineup because of you know all the injuries, but just the the the, the youthful energy and all that, and you know like I said the the kick in the ass this team needed. I mean they they needed something to change. And obviously the, you know, the, the performances haven't obviously been perfect by any means, but um, yeah, they just, they needed, they need something. And obviously these kids have provided something that, that wasn't necessarily there in the first couple of months of the year. Yeah. And, and to, to jump off uh, Sam's point before I kind of add my, uh, my kind of positive uh, takeaway from the first uh, half of the season, you know, I think with the youngsters playing so well, it, a knock on effect of that is that it just, in a positive way, it threatens the kind of senior players, their positions in the in the team, and it kind of you know forces them to to I mean to get better. You know, if you know that you actually have direct competition uh, for someone or for your position, competition who could actually you know conceivably replace you, then I mean you're forced to play better, right? You know, you're forced once there's I mean it's the good old law in economics. You know, once the more competition there is, the better. Uh, the better product that comes out of it, and well, cheaper product usually it is, but uh, the better uh, product usually that comes out of it. Um, and you know, whereas previously it's like, you know, youngsters that might be like primavera squad players, it's like, okay, they could they play in your position, but are they really ready to play or anything? So then, then it doesn't really create that sense of like, oh, you know, my my position is under threat. But now you have youngsters that actually, I mean, are clearly worthy of the first team. You know, with uh, Fagioli and. Uh, uh, Miretti and I mean even Sule, I'll say you know he's he's shown not not quite as much or hasn't quite gotten the opportunities that um, Miretti and Fagioli have gotten, but you know he's he's shown some some sparks there as well. Uh, against Benfica, he looked pretty pretty lively, I thought too. Uh, the second game against Benfica, so yeah, I think that just creates that sense of uh, it forces the senior players to get better, 
but yeah, then to kind of add my point on just a general positive takeaway from uh, the first half of the season uh, has remarkably been the defense, actually, domestically speaking, obviously, you know, Champions League, uh, we will not speak of it. Um, <laughs> kind of like Fight Club. But yeah, I mean, I noted this, I think, last week that I just couldn't believe that we're the best uh, best defense in the league. With only, uh, let me see, I think it was seven goals. Uh, let me just double check yep. that. Yeah, seven goals. Uh, seven goals in 15 games, which is uh, just a little under half oh, half a goal uh, every game. Or I guess just a little under one goal every other game. Uh, two of those goals came in, and two of those goals were against Milan. So that's... Yep. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So... Is that the only game that we've given up multiple goals this year? Tunnel and Tunnel, right? So yes. Anytana, you're right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, th- so that's wow. Seven goals and four of them against two teams. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, and I mean, it also makes sense, obviously, with just the last six games being all clean sheets. So that, you know, yeah, that kind of makes sense there. But yeah, I mean, that has by far been the most positive uh, aspect of the team in the first half of the season. And it's it's strange, really, when you think about it, that you know, one of the most, no, actually, the most senior, yeah, the most senior uh, defensive player. In terms of appearances, well, I guess in age as well. I guess he's older than Danilo, but yeah, Bonucci, you know, being just, uh, you know, I've mentioned multiple times, but he's kind of past it. Um, you know, obviously, yes, we, wanna... we have a we have a Twitter question that will address some of those things that uh, that you've said over the last couple of weeks about Leo Bonucci. Oh, okay. Well, oh, can't wait. <laughs> we're, all about, about we're all about teases on this episode. Yeah, oh, oh, just say the same thing. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, it's a family show. Don't worry, guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that definitely has been the best part of the, se- the first um, half of the season. And like I said, just with Bonucci being, I mean, basically past it, that's, you know, don't want to be harsh, but kind of say a minus one in terms of defender there. That means that uh, the two Brazilians, um, I mean, okay, three, with Sandro has recovered, I think, in terms of his form early in the season. But yeah, I mean, really, the Brazilians are holding it down. I mean, Bremer, Danilo, and yeah, like I said, Sandro, I think, has slowly but surely solidified kind of his place in the team and, and just, yeah, recovered. And and I think that has to be, I think we have to appreciate that from him as well, especially I mean, he's gotten, he's a bit older now. And at this stage of your career, it's easy to just kind of, what what's happening to Bonucci, you know, just gradually kind of fade into the twilight. But he's fought back and he's really improved his performances. And then, you know, I think that deserves uh, recognition there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, the Brazilians have really just solidified our defense, especially Bremer, but Danilo too. And yeah, I mean, it's remarkably, like I said, just the, the best defense in the league. And, uh, you know, long may that last. Yeah, I, at Sandro, I think that the difference with Sandro is playing as that center back in the three, in the back three, as opposed to out wide. That seems to just be a better place for him right now, given the state of his game. And it, it it has greatly improved the the quality of his performances moving over there. Yeah, it is interesting just with players as they kind of reach that early to mid thirties kind of phase. Um, I've seen it with players like well Ryan Giggs and Philip Lama. I feel like as well had the same thing as where it's like these are players that played in, in well anyway Giggs played in you know in that kind of classic just winger take a man on. And you know, get to the byline type of uh, player, and then as his career progressed, he just gradually like went back, like went back in the lines. You know, kind of. Yeah, I mean, he changed the nature of your game. He changed from taking on players to kind of becoming more of a, I guess, more of a passing player. And, and I think it happens to Philip Lam as well. I mean, he just you become, I guess, he becomes smart. You just have to play smarter instead of, yeah, more physically. Yeah, intensively, I guess. And it's just, it's very interesting, I think, just as players get older and just their their bodies might kind of fill them a little more. They might not be quite as fast or not be quite as able to take players on one-on-one. You know, how you do you adapt? Um, I think, yeah, you just have to become smarter with the way you play, become more positionally intelligent or just more passing instead of more ambitious, I guess. But it, it's just something about that kind of progression in the latter stages of your career. More savvy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially in Sandro's case, I mean, he's got you know somebody in front of him on the left side who was basically, you know, kind of him five or so years ago, right? I mean, you look at yeah. Philip Kostic, who's just bombing up and down the left wing like there's no tomorrow. Well, that was Sandro when he 
when he first came right. to Juventus, whether it was a back four or back three, he was very much that two-way player on the wing. And now, you know, I, I have a feeling maybe, you know, him playing more as as a, you know, a center back than a, than an out-and-out fullback, you know, he can pay a little more attention to the defensive side of things rather than just running himself into the ground out on the left wing, knowing that, you know, he's going to be one of the main sources. And, I mean, we we know how Max Allegri likes to play, you know, no, look no further than Kostic and Quadrado. It's very much get it out wide and, you know, cross it in and see what happens. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at Sandro now, I mean, we're not, obviously we're not saying, you know, Hey, you know, he's a player you can rely on, but he's definitely not the disaster that he was say for much of, or for maybe not much, but for a good portion of the last few years, where it's like, okay, you know, when, when is this guy leaving rather than, Hey, you know, him starting maybe isn't the worst thing in the world. It's not super Copa, Sandro. It's, no, uh, yeah. no, no. And I mean, who knows? Maybe, hell, for all we know, he, he comes back after World Cup duty and he makes a mistake like he did in, against Inter in the Copa Italia. And it's like, okay, well, what, what the hell's going on here? But for right now, from what we've seen, the, you know, going into this World Cup break, he's very much steadied the ship in a way where he can, he can at least justify his, his, his minutes right now rather than, you know, when, you know, Allegri was rolling out Mattia De Chiglio and it's like, okay, well, what exactly is he bringing to the table other than some stability defensively? It's like, okay, well, you know, the defense is racking up shutout after shutout after shutout. And Alexandro is part of the back three. He's a big reason why the defense is playing the way it is. Yeah. 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 You know, even Federico Gatti, I thought that, I thought that the Lazio game was a really, a, a, a could could potentially be a turning point for him just because his, his playing time hadn't been a lot, but he's started getting a few more games because Bonucci has just gotten less and less. And, and I think, he, I think he started to improve and against a team like Lazio that, that can pass through you. He had a really good, he played a really good game and it's hilarious to think, you know, one of the, apart from the fact that Fagioli and Miretti are there and, and Rovella will be coming back from loan. And you know you have all these these three really good midfielders. One, the main reason that I'm I'm very much set against Sergei Milinkovic Savic is just because I think that the, that money can be put to such better use elsewhere, mainly in the back. <laughs> like we're looking at a at a major remake of the back line next year with you know because we need a couple of fullbacks, we need at least one center back depending on how much we can get out of Bonucci. In, in, until his contract runs out, you know there, there's a lot of of remaking that's going to be happening in the back this year. These next two transfer windows, which is amazing when you consider the fact that we are the best defense in the league, because no, I don't think anybody would have thought that. And given the the way that that part of the squad is going to be probably remade this year, unless they've all just got Fabio Paratici fever and still think that they can put together a roster without fullbacks. It, it really is interesting that that we're that they're playing this well when this unit is going to look very, very different next year. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I would much rather Juventus say go to Villarreal and be like, hey, here's 50, 60 million for Pau Torres rather than go to Claudio Lotito and say, hey, here's 50, 60 for Sergei Milinkovic Savage, mostly because most likely a, a deal with Villarreal is actually possible. And easier. <laughs> Mario yeah. Latito would look at that and say, uh, yeah, 100, please. Yeah, he'd be like, <laughs> double it. Although, yeah. no, knowing him, it, there'd also be, you know, some classical men Italian words thrown, thrown in there. But yeah, yeah I mean, it just because of the development of the youngsters, it's like, okay, the midfield isn't, and obviously there's very much one big elephant in the room who hasn't played a minute this season, still, you know, TBD on the midfield list. But the midfield isn't ex exactly as much of a pressing need as it has been in previous years, which yeah. still feels weird to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like Milinkovic Savage is the kind of move that you would have made in like 2017 when you were thinking maybe you were one good midfielder away from, you know, winning a Champions League. He's that kind of move. And we're just not there yet. Like there's a lot more building on this team before we can start thinking about about competing at that level of Europe again, as this year's Champions League showed us 
in in no uncertain terms. Like with, with Milinkovic Savage, it just seems like it's a win now move in in a situation where you're probably not going to win now. And I and and it always makes me wonder: Does Andrea Agnelli look back on the 11-12 season? And think, well, we weren't, we did it all at once, once we can do it again. And I just don't think, you know, that was a special season with special players and a special coach, uh, and also a much weaker overall Serie A. So I just don't know. I, I, I don't think that, that you're going to be able to make that kind of a jump again as much as you might want to try. So I think, yeah, I, I definitely think that that. When it comes to a guy like Milinkovic Savic, you you've got to take that money and you've got to use it where it's needed more. For what it's worth, uh, there was an interview published yesterday from uh, Godolotito saying that um, Milinkovic Savic is not for sale. No, so, no. Yeah, there you no. go. For what it's worth, really? Yeah. He's only been saying that for what five years? Yeah. Five years? Yeah. He said they're having con- talks about a contract renewal. So yeah, and that's the thing is that his yeah. his contract is up after next season, and that is, I think, why some people are thinking that this is more realistic than it it could have otherwise been. But that ex- but those people expect Claudio Lotito to logic. <laughs> yeah, or Milinkovic Savic runs down his contract. And- yeah, and Claudio Lotito does not logic. I mean, if you can get Milinkovic Savic to run down his contract and get him as a free agent, fine, but. No, no paying 70 to 100 million euros for him. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, he's also, I don't know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like Malinkovic Savage's stock has been higher in previous years compared to compared to this year. I mean, we were talking about a player that, I mean, Lotito was like, yeah, even $100 million might not do it. And now it's like... Yeah, four years ago when he was going into the World Cup in Russia... That's yeah. exactly what they were talking about, you know, and he was also, he was 22 then. Yeah. And and now you see reports where it's like, maybe if Juventus can get, get him for like 60 million, it's like that, do, it just doesn't feel like that's nearly enough, even for somebody like Claudio Latito to even consider it. Yeah. And and I, and I, and, and that's why I say, I think a lot of people are looking at this and saying logically between the fact that he's going to be 28 in February and his contract is starting to run down. Lotito will back off of the the hardline nine figure stance and get what he can because it doesn't look like the contract negotiations are going anywhere. But again, that expects Claudio Lotito to adhere to normal logic, and he just doesn't because he's a crazy person. So, and that's the the saving grace in all this for me right now is that I just don't think Lotito will allow a, a deal to happen. I mean, he's he's just such a an outrageous human being. Because I do think that in an in in a normal logical sense, doing what a lot of the people are a lot of these reports are thinking about when it comes to Milinkovic Savage is probably the right move, but he's just not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, if if a extremely rich Premier League club has not been able to pry Milinkovic Savage away from Claudio Lotito's very controversial. I guess that's the nice way of putting it when describing Claudio Lotito. Uh, his hands, I don't know if, I mean, unless Juventus has some sort of, you know, insider kind of move that we don't know about compared to, say, a Manchester United or City or, hell, throw PSG in there because he's been linked with PSG over the last year or two. I don't know. 
I'm I'm just not convinced that one that's the right move to spend your money on if you do have this money that suddenly comes out of nowhere a la Dusan last January, you know, that you're even going to be spending what you think you might spend, knowing that it is Claudio Lotito. Yeah. Any positive other positives that you guys want to throw out there before we get to, to get to the uh, not so positive? Let's plunge into darkness. All right. Oh, well, I'll, I'll say one. The goalkeeping situation has been rather good this year. Yes. Wojciech Chesney has been really, really good, I think, for the most part. Perrin, while Chesney was hurt, just really shown. Yes. So, I, I, you know, you've got a really good goalkeeping situation there. And and I, I think it come, probably just comes down to Wojciech Chesney's age as to the fact that you're starting to see a couple of reports leaking out this uh this last couple of weeks, this last week or two about about younger goalkeepers that that Juventus might be targeting uh, to replace him. Karnaseki was uh, the most recent who we're actually going to end up seeing, I think, the first game out of the break. Yes. But for the most part, I think the goalkeeping situation is very, very good right now. And that will serve us well. Yeah, that's remarkably. That's one thing that Juve has not screwed up in the last what, <laughs> 10 years or so. I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> We've touched on it a little bit, just the, the path that somebody like Perrin has taken to get to where he is. I mean, obviously, he's a backup goalkeeper, and he seemed, I mean, he signed a contract extension, so he seems pretty okay with that role. But, I mean, just how well with how he, he played earlier in the year when Chesney was out injured is... He could start for the majority of the league. Not in the same kind of way, but it just kind of reminded me of Buffon's second stint, where he came in, you know, not playing for a few weeks... And then he's just as sharp as can be. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, think about the goalkeepers in the league and the ones that you would, like, are there any, like, the ones that you would say right now that a Perrin in, that an informed Perrin just wouldn't replace at all? I would say probably Mike Magnan. Yeah. Uh, Juan Musso, uh, Musso at Atalanta, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that's kind of hit. Like, I Like, he really could. He could start for like everybody in this league right now. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think and just just makes uh, me it just it just makes me more and more wonder what was going through his mind when he made the decision to to come here to come to Juve in the first place, knowing that Chesney was really well established after that one year that he under that he had understudied Buffon. You know, Roma needed a goalkeeper that year. Napoli needed a goalkeeper that year. You know his his career could have gone a whole bunch of different ways had he had he made a different decision. Maybe he thought he would be number one. Yeah. Oh, he he clearly he clearly had faith in himself to win that to win himself that job. But I, I think I mean you even then I always I always thought that I mean obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But even then I thought you know the way that because you know the way that Chesney had played those two months that that Buffon was out with the the that muscle injury that season. He was always going to get first crack just because of that. And, you know, Perrin was going to have to rely on him not being up to snuff. And he and Chesney never blinked that season. And, and now you've got Perrin just, you know, who really was one of the most promising goalkeepers that was coming out in that time and still is really damn good, kind of content to be a backup at Juve. Well, do you do you guys want to guess who the uh, goalkeeper with the best save percentage in Serie A is? Uh, I'm going to say Mattia Perrin. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to guess who's second behind Mattia Perrin? Probably Chesney, Sh- I guess. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I know I know save percentage isn't necessarily the be all end all when it comes to measuring how good a keeper's season has been because as we know with Buffon, sometimes keepers Face so little shots that you know one or yeah. two goals might throw it off completely. But yeah, I mean you, you've got two guys who are saving, putting over eighty, you know, eighty-seven and a half percent of the the shots he's facing, and then Chesney almost eighty-six percent. So it's pretty impressive that they're no matter who's played and knowing that you know if in Perrin's case he he went from you know not playing and then playing and then not playing again. Mm-hmm. That they're they're able to uh, just kind of keep keep things rolling no matter who's in goal. Yeah. Well, Chucks, do you want to start with diving into the dark side before we get to a few Twitter questions? <laughs> oh, oh, am I uh, am I so suggestive of the negative, or or did you think I would just have so much fun? Well, you the, were the one the who described it as diving into the dark side. So oh, I figured, yes, yes. 
I figured you'd go first, and, and I'll just ask you this: Does it involve the Champions League? No, I, I mean yes. Uh, obviously, that's bad. But <laughs> no, like, yes. No. I mean, yeah, yes. But um, no, I mean that's too obvious. I, I try and like not pick the like blatantly obvious ones. Oh, go with um, the obvious. Have some fun. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the like a slightly less obvious one, uh, which is just the injuries. Uh, that I mean, the injury situation really just it's perplexing to me. You know, I understand some injuries. Obviously, part of the game. You have muscle injuries, you have impact injuries, you know, you, you have bad luck. That's just part of the game. But uh, just the sheer volume of injuries we had towards the last, like, I mean, ironically, actually, during that six-month or six-game winning streak that we had, I mean, it was just absurd. I mean, it's just completely absurd. You know, I always say, okay, the first first few in- instances, okay, maybe it's an anomaly, maybe it's just bad luck. But at a certain point, it's not bad luck anymore, an anomaly. At a certain point, it's a trend, and it's there's something going on, something at the, I mean, the medical team, something with how we're training, I mean, something with how recoveries are after games. I don't know what, I mean, obviously not a sports science uh, professional, but yeah, I mean, there's there's something structurally just wrong in the medical sense at the club because there's just no way we should be having i mean at one point what was it half the team half the senior squad out or something with injuries or close to that i mean that's just unacceptable i think it's you know as a professional club as you know highly paid professionals at this level of the game it's just there has to be some kind of you know someone has to answer to it i think someone has to at least look into it study it and just answer for this because it's we can't have that <laughs> yeah i was i during my re doing my recaps i you know i always talk about the lineups and any players that were unavailable to the respective managers and it was just like a like half the paragraph that i would be writing about the Juventus <laughs> lineup was just like the the list of guys that were out there were times where i would where i had to check a couple of sources to make sure which ones were out and which ones weren't it, it was nuts and it's been happening for the better part of two seasons now, because, you know, you know, Allegri had a cup. We had a couple of these last year and Allegri, since his time at Milan, muscle injuries have followed Allegri to a larger degree than some other coaches. But this is just outsized to the point where it's it's certainly beyond. And and also, I, I think has a lot to do with just the nature of the sport the last couple of years, ever since COVID and just how congested the fixture list was, you know, cramming a bunch, all those games into the restart and then having to, to jam so many games in the, the 2021 season into a, a short amount of time, shorter amount of time so that the euros, because God forbid UEFA delays the euros by two weeks. <laughs> And then this year having to to just crush so much into the first half of the season in order to get enough of it done before the World Cup, it feel there hasn't been a normal, a normally paced season. Don't forget what things are going to be like coming out of the World Cup, too. Yeah, that too. And also like just look at how many injuries there are have been for players going to the world cup i mean just look at how many players are missing yeah, yeah. i mean and, and just you know guys like benzema out of the blue just like yeah. blows up a leg muscle and he's out for the entire tournament in training you know because and and that was the other thing is there was so many of our so many of those injuries were happening in training not in the games you know hopefully within the next you know by the next season or two we'll finally have kind of gotten back into the rhythm of the game as it as it is kind of meant to be. Yeah. You hope that this summer, this upcoming summer will provide that because there is no world cup and guys can maybe actually have, you know, a a normal ish kind of summer. Some guys, I think, isn't there a Copa America this year? Yeah. I mean, there are obviously going to be international games. I mean, I think we're, you know, we're, we're foolish not to think that, you know, there won't be, but I, I can't imagine what these guys one feel like now, knowing that you know the biggest you know for for many of them the biggest tournament of their life, and they're a week removed from playing for their club teams, and then what they're going to be feeling like in April and May, knowing that they've got you know in in Juventus's case over half a season left after they come back from the World Cup, 
mean, it's just, you know, we're, you know, we were talking beforehand about Federico Chiesa and how nice it's going to be for him to, you know, come back early from the the international games he just played with Italy and have, you know, a, a, a literal month to ramp up to full fitness. Well, not everybody's going to have that. You know, we're going to have, you know, say the Brazilians make a deep run, which everybody seems to be thinking they will. Bremer, Danilo, and Alexandro are basically going to be coming right back from Qatar and have a matter of days before they're playing for Juventus again. I mean, it's just it's just nuts to think about. And to go from like a very hot climate to suddenly completely, you know, yeah, it's, it's not going to be like Qatar when they get back to, to yeah, Italy in late December. Not even yeah. close. Yeah, and and you know, just as we were saying with the defense, I mean, they are the pillars of our of the defense right now. So then to have them come, like you said, likely making a deep run into the World Cup, come exhausted from a completely different climate, from to have our rock of our defense there just to come back in that condition is uh, hopefully something that Allegri has uh, accounted for and is prepared for. And, you know, the likes of Gatti and, well, whoops, Bonucci um, will have to... How dare to, you uh, forget Daniele Rugani? Oh, oh yes. Oh, my man. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you know, once upon a time. He was the, <laughs> once upon a time. you know, once upon a time, he was the rock of our defense that lasted for about three weeks. And then, you know. Yes. No, no, he had a good, like, what was it, start of he the season good, like, last season, I think? Last year. Yeah, 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 it was last year, yeah. Middle of the season, it was, it was the end, like, like around Christmas was, yes. was when he yes. just, like, yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. or it was, like, January, it was, like, right, right after Christmas. Yeah. So, yeah, but ironically, you know, I mean, we mentioned the injury situation, and that has been actually the reason that the likes of Miretti and Fagioli have been able to play and shine. So, you know, it's a, kind of a strange turn of fate that because of these injuries, uh, we have gotten arguably, arguably one of the most positive aspects of our season has come from that. Uh, thanks to those just, you know, everybody just dropping like flies <laughs> in uh in well, especially the midfield, but yeah, just all throughout the team. Yeah, I mean, we don't see the same kind of injury situation that played out, and I mean, who knows if Bajoli gets those those minutes that he did those last couple of weeks? It just, I mean, it's you know, obviously Juventus needed some kind of spark, but if you know Paredes, if McKenney, if obviously, I mean, Pogba has been a long term injury, but. Who knows? I mean, you, you just don't know. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing about when this winning streak has occurred and under the context in which it has occurred. You just with Allegri, you just don't you just don't know if, you know, if this was something he cooked up all of a sudden. It's like, hey, this team needs Nicola Fajoli, or it's like, I have to play Nicola Fajoli because there's nobody else. <laughs> that's probably the latter. That's, that, that's, <laughs> no, I mean, sure, surely, surely, but it's why it's why Miretti got to play last season. Right. Yeah. Is because, you know, he you know, finally, right before that Venezia game, Danilo got hurt, and so he couldn't move Danilo back into the midfield. So he had to, he had to use him. Yeah, I mean, who who knows if Danilo becoming so important to this defense has suddenly prevented Max Allegri from scratching that itch to put him up up in midfield again? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's there's so many things that you know from from our point of view, we we don't have answers to just because we're not there. But it's like you can't help but think about it because. They've played out in certain ways in the past. Yeah. Well, Samuel, you got anything on the negative before uh, we get to the Twitter questions or have previous episodes filtered that out for you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just like it, it for the, for the vast majority of it, I just thought that the, that the tactical situation was just so passive and, and it wasn't even, not even defensive. It was passive, which was, I think the, the, the problem and and over the in the last game game and a half in in domestic competition that started to change and it just needs to stay that way. Uh, but I th I think that you know if if we start seeing a much more proactive team as opposed to a reactive team, that'll be you know th that could change some things, especially with guys coming back like Geza, like you know if Pogba. Funny, I was talking to my dad today, and he was like, "You called it that Pogba wouldn't." wouldn't even make the world cup <laughs> like like i wish i hadn't but he'd yeah it, it it's just you know i i thought that for for a while the, the the tactical setup was just really really bad but that's starting to maybe evolve and come back around so hopefully it stays that way 
All right. Well, should we should we wrap this up with a couple of quick Twitter questions? They involve the defense that Chucks was actually praising a little while ago. Let's Ooh. let's do it. Let's do it. All yeah, let's right. do it before uh, Twitter falls apart. That's right. I was just about right. to say. I should stop with the Twitter jokes. I think people, people get nah, yeah. keep, keep them coming because we don't know no, how long they're, we'll they're... actually have this segment, Chucks. Yeah, yeah. we don't know how long <laughs> it'll, it'll still be there. It'll have to be, Insta- it'll be yeah, Instagram well, questions instead. Yes. That's yeah. right. Probably. Yeah. That's right. Well, first one here from at Verno Luck. Will this year finally mark the end of us dealing with Leonardo Bonucci at center back for Juve and the national team? I've been done with him since he left for Milan, but now he's actually horrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you don't mind, I'll take that first. Then uh, I, I think a lot of it actually will. I mean, like we said, with just the World Cup with, you know, our three Brazilians, I think a lot of it is going to depend on two things. Um, how deep Brazil go into the World Cup, which, you know, again, obviously, Bremer, Danilo and Sandro, how tired will they be coming back? Um, and then also on Gatti, I think, I mean, because Gatti is also kind of that backup really i mean is he going to become the first well yeah i mean how how much of a first choice center back is he going to be that's i think that's going to be a key question because if if he's going to be above bonucci in the pecking order i mean yeah that that i mean i think that really determines yeah just kind of bonucci's fate but i i think the biggest thing will just be the state of the three brazilians coming back from the world cup uh because yeah again i mean that's basically what 60 percent of our defense right there those three players yeah i i think that it, it really does come down to i i don't have much to add you said it all you said it all before you said it all now that's, it's, uh, that's the effect i have on people yeah. <laughs> i make them speechless it, it, it's just it, it's sad to say that the less that bonucci plays the second half of the season i think the better it will be i think it was very telling in the last three games of the season that you know, Bonucci played against Hellas Verona and did not play against Inter and against Lazio. You know, he is not a big game defender anymore. He's not the kind of guy that, you know, you remember the Simone Zaza game during the big comeback season when he had that huge stretch to like get a toe on the ball to take it off of Higuain's head and prevent him from from scoring in that game. And eventually Zaza scored that was we're not going to have those anymore maybe once in a blue moon but he just doesn't have it anymore and that's you know time time comes for everybody differently and you know it came came for Barzali differently it came for Chiellini a little differently Bonucci has lasted a few more seasons because he was younger than the two of them but it it seems to have gotten him a little a little early and I just he was always the weakest pure defender of the three. You know, so much of what made his game so good was that he, you know, his defending was good and and his good was good, sometimes great. And the range of his passing just made is what put him up over the top as one of the best defenders in the world. He can't quite do that anymore. And it's it is what it is. It's not a it, it's not it, it's not a, a bad for him. It's just an is. And I guess he was always kind of a Pep Guardiola defender. I mean, I mean, I know, I remember at, at his peak, Pep wanted he loved him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah he'd, I mean, Guardiola would just not stop raving about Bonucci. I remember at his peak, which obviously at his peak, he was amazing, of course, but he was very much kind of that uh, Guardiola type of defender of, you know, not necessarily physical or, you know, into those one-on-one battles, but that progressive uh, modern center back and passing center back. He was also just a completely different guy when Chiellini was next to him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, take Chiellini out of the equation. You know, there was the, the Saudi year. He actually stepped up while Chiellini was hurt and really put in a good season. But for the most part, he was a completely different guy when Chiellini was, was, wasn't was there. All right. We'll wrap things up here with a question from producer Couch on the Twitter machine. Oh <laughs> Is it time to consider making Danilo a center back full time and signing a specialist fullback Danilo Bremer Gatti plus one new young center back could be a solid defensive core. And I think Danilo has looked better at center back than as an offensively limited right back. Certainly if we're staying with the the three man back line, that could, I would say so if Allegri decides to start using a four man line again, I'm not as certain about it. He could probably do it. And it would probably be adequate, but I don't think he'd be as good 
in a four-man line as a three-man line. But certainly if we're going to stay with this 3-5-2 or, or three and then we'll see, I guess, <laughs> um, I do think that that would be a that would be the move is to to find somebody who can play on the right wing guy like maybe Odorizola or, or something, somebody in, of the, in that ilk. I know that Rick Karsdorp is going to be available for cheap because he and Mourinho hate each other now, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do think that that's probably a good, that, that's probably a good call at this point. Yeah. And especially considering that Guadalajara is, declining also uh, yeah. quite a bit as he kind of reaches the twilight of his career. Um, I think that would make a lot of sense getting someone more to replace Guadrado than, than necessarily someone to allow Danilo to play center, uh, center back. But yeah, regardless, I mean, absolutely, you know, absolutely to get, uh, you know, if we get Cologne Kostic or something and put him, uh, put a Kostic clone on the right, that would be phenomenal. Also, you have to remember, like, you know, where does, you know, if you do stay in that three-man line, you know, where are you putting Chiesa in all of this? Yeah, that's a big He did play, he did kind of play as the right wing back a lot for Pirlo. You could put him in there if you wanted to. And when he came on against Lazio, I believe he did play as a right wing back. uh, No, he he was more on the left, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was he was on the left, but it was definitely oh, okay. a wing back kind of kind of situation. Okay, yeah, but yeah, I mean that's a big question, and of course, like I mean, it's funny we talk about injuries. Then okay, what now that people are recovering from injuries? Um, yeah, what are you gonna what are you gonna do into formation wise? You know, you have Chiesa, Di Maria, you have two strikers. You know, are you gonna kind of? Oh, somebody will in? somebody will always get injured, Chucks. Don't you worry. Oh yeah, true. That, yeah. True. What am I? How dare I? How dare, <laughs> how dare I assume uh, perfection? That's right. Assume, assume how, health. How dare you expect people to actually be healthy for long stretches of time? All right. Well, we will wrap things up for this week. Thank you guys for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them as long as Twitter is still a viable product on the internet. Uh, if you do want to send them to us while Twitter still exists, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Feel free to follow us there as well as on Facebook and our aforementioned Instagram account, especially if Twitter dies. Uh, follow <laughs> us <laughs> follow us on your favorite podcasting platform as well, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating or a review or both, however you so please. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and for producer Couch, who doubled as a Twitter questioner this week. This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys not next week. We're taking the week off, but the week after. So see you guys in two weeks.